Yo, 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 it's your boy, the Mark Rob, a.k.a. Sean Mad Love, a.k.a. Gordon Darks, a.k.a. Stevens P. Ilberg, a.k.a. Sam Greer, a.k.a. Blackie Brown. Before we start the show, we just wanted to show some love to the late, great Andre Brower, who tragically passed away on December 11th. If you don't recognize the name, you for sure recognize the face. A Chicago native and a fellow Cancer, Brower was an incredible acting talent, whether it was on stage, the silver screen, or television. I grew up watching Brower and Glory, Primal Fear, Get on the Bus, and the Tuskegee Airmen TV movie. Cabo watched him on Homicide, Life on the Street, with her parents while taking lunch in the throes of the pandemic. Most recently, you recognize him as precinct captain Raymond Hoyt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brower was a two-time Emmy winner, and his talent amongst his acting peers was well-known and respected. So on behalf of Kat, Vanya, and myself, Russwell Andre, you will be missed. Hey, Captain. Mind if we sit? Is everything okay? Nothing's okay. Wunch circling me like a shark frenzied by chum. The task force turning into a career-threatening quagmire. An internal affairs investigation casting doubt upon my integrity. And you ask, is everything okay? I am buffeted by the winds of my foe's enmity and cast about by the towering waves of cruel fate. Yet I, a captain, am no longer able to command my vessel, my precinct from my customary helm, my office. And you ask, is everything okay? I've worked the better part of my years on Earth, overcoming every prejudice and fighting for the position I hold, and now I feel it being ripped from my grasp. And with it, the very essence of what defines me as a man. And you ask, is everything okay? Yeah, I hear you. My dog has taken over my favorite chair. It's like, how did it all slip away? Gentlemen. Five films nominated tonight take us from a vision of the future to a village in Russia, to one street in Texas, to many streets in New York, and to the court of the czars. Who then can say that films do not have a broad spectrum in subject matter, philosophy, point of view? That is the measure of the vitality of the movies and equally a measure of their potentiality. The films nominated are a Clockwork Orange, a Hawks Film Limited production, Warner Brothers, Stanley Kubrick producer. Fiddler on the Roof, Mirish Cartier Productions, United Artist, Norman Jewison producer. The French Connection, D'Antoni Productions, 20th Century Fox, Philip D'Antoni producer. Uh, the Last Picture Show, BBS Productions, Columbia, Stephen J. Friedman producer. Nicholas and Alexandra, a Horizon Picture Productions, Columbia, Sam Spiegel, producer. May I have the envelope, please? Thank you. 
The winner is the French Connection, Philip D'Antonio, producer. Previously, when we should do this again sometime. I'm assuming that this was kind of the process back then, too, but the studio, they have to be the one to, like, basically throw your hat in the ring for you in the nomination. Yeah. And for him to not to not make this, it's just, it's just pretty asinine. It's just pretty asinine to be flat out about it, so. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. I know. <laughs> but, um... Speaking of suck, <laughs> Pop- <laughs> Popeye Doyle, this this man, no, sucks. <laughs> this man violated virtually every civil right known to mankind. <laughs> like this, this guy's a fucking loose cannon. Like, <laughs> but yeah, but he's Popeye, so they just allow it. So. The French Connection. This was another. This is another pretty big, big deal. It led. It tied for nominations with eight, and it won nine. I'm sorry, won five, including Best Picture. Freakin', who I love, Freakin'. He won Best Director. Hackman won for Best Actor, yeah. and it won for Best Adapted Screenplay. The only sweep it didn't have was uh, Roy Schneider. He got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. But he lost to Ben Johnson for The Last Picture Show, which I absolutely adore The Last Picture Show, and I'm very happy that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, but I love – you. do you know about my deep love for Roy Scheider? I mean – That it runs I, deep? I love that man? Everyone should have this love. Everyone should have this love. Uh, but, but talk uh, about your love for, for him. I just loved him. I love Martin Brody. Him and Jaws, I, he's in Clute, and he's like a completely yeah. different character to like a little wimpy pimp. He's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love him in this. I love him in the sequel to Space Odyssey. I love him in 2010. Yeah, I just screened Marathon Man last month for my okay. program. So he's he kills in that. He okay. There's a slap in that too. He slaps Olivier. Oh shit! Awesome. All right, <laughs> and it's awesome. And he's he's kind of like he's good, he's bad, he's secretive, he's nasty. You know what I mean? I I just love him. Yeah, you should know that, and everyone should know that. I just like, but <laughs> I think he's really great in this movie. Maybe I disagree with you that he should have. I think he should have won just because I love him so much. Do you like the Last Picture Show? <laughs> yes, I do. But I just love uh... Roy Scheider. <laughs> I, I love the line the last picture show, man. He's so good. Like Yeah. I feel like French Connection is a movie that um That's so exciting. It's I think my history with it, it came on rerun so often. Like in the heat of the night, oh, yeah. I didn't talk about this. The only time I really knew about Heat of the Night was through the actual television show. Uh but Right. Um, well he didn't talk about music in that anyway, but anyway. Oh yeah. Go on. Ray, the Ray Charles song opening movie was pretty. And popular. Quincy Jones, he, like yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but for French Connection, it was something that I barely watched, like from beginning to end. But it was always, I felt like it was always on reruns in America, and so I would like catch kind of pieces of it. Mm. But I think this was like my second or third time actually seeing it from beginning to end. But what about you? What's your history with the French Connection? I think I remember seeing it when I was younger. 
And then I think it played in a cinema here at some point in my 20s and I wanted to see it. And I watch it now and again on TV. And Freakin's my birthday, uh, one of my birthday twins. So, (laughs) all right. So I always feel like I have a connection to him. I love this movie. I love how heart pounding it is. I just love this part of Freakin, like to live and die in LA, that like really Uh. like dogged detective and this like heart pumping like kind of like once it gets going it just kind of just never stops going kind of feeling i I don't know if this is like a technically a trilogy but i think it's interesting between french connection cruising and live and die in la the detectives in those three movies are fucking fucking wild but when you just say that yeah they are they're just obsessive but when you just say that, it's like I could see how somebody would only if you only saw those three freaking movies and you said he's my favorite director ever. And I, if you've only seen those, I would be like, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> These films are that good. Like, yeah, I love to live and die in L.A. Willem Dafoe in it. Like, it's so funny. Like, right. I, I don't think I've ever seen him that young. But, <laughs> but it's like it's like young in look, but also just. He's just so vibrant and so wild in that movie, too. Yeah. Like, I think Freakin has this insane quality of... He kind of figures out how to channel these live wires. And mm-hmm. I think it's a true skill. And, I mean, cruising. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Cruising just another... Well, cruising is another animal. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll say that for another day. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, French Connection. So, French Connection. So... What are your thoughts on the French Connection? I love it. I love the atmosphere of that. I love how that's re- like as much as his his journey as a detective in this case as a narc, um, <laughs> yeah, is like is so relentless. Same with the aesthetic too. Like it's cold and it yeah. feels cold the entire time. This is a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> <Hilarious>. <laughs> the beginning of it, Popeye's in a Santa suit, and then it like you're constantly running by like places with Christmas decorations and that sort of thing, and it's really cold constantly. So it's obviously right in around in and around Christmas. I think it'd be great with like screen it with um like Three Days of the Condor or whatever, where it's like Christmassy and cold and dark. Uh-huh subject matter but i love that relentlessness of it and then there's on top of that the aesthetic of it is relentless and then the energy is relentless like everything stacks up it's just like it's layer after layer you know different things that all come together to make one thing i love it oh my god like uh i so no i i fully agree like i don't think that I don't think the movie itself is bad at all. I think the filmmaking of it is pretty incredible. The chase. Please come on, I need your car. The chase, when, when people like, like, they get hyperbolic when they talk about stuff. No, like you can, you can comfortably say like that is one of the greatest chases in cinema history. Like you, you can do that. Yeah, I think that sometimes people like actually kind of don't talk big enough about the chase. Like, I know. Oh, yeah. I actually think because it starts so soon, it's incredible because it goes from a foot chase. It starts as a foot chase. 
and yeah. then it goes to a car chase yeah. with a tra- tracing a train. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, kind of goes to a semi foot chase again. Like it's like yeah. it's it, that's incredible. It's not just one like everybody gets in their cars and just keeps going. It's yeah. like this bigger thing. Also, it's not just also looking at this car. It's the incredible close-ups of Popeye. Yeah. Of his face as he's honking. Also, I love the constant honking because he has to. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yes. You don't feel, that's not really realistic in other chase scenes. It's not like that. You don't hear that. But he's like, man, he's like really leaning on that horn because he needs people to get out of his way. You don't really see that in other movies. And then the close-ups of him screaming in frustration, but we can't <laughs> hear him screaming because yeah. we're outside the car is so cool. Like, yeah. how cool is that? And then almost hitting a baby carriage? Incredible. Like, <laughs> so good. It, it is pretty wild. Hackman did this, and then a couple of years later did the conversation, which we've talked a little bit about Hackman on the show, but I think his career is, is pretty spectacular. Like, it's it, it's pretty fascinating, the movies that he's done. And he, he's he's up there, man. He's he's one of the greats. At least for at least for the actors I've watched, like American actors, I really fuck with them heavy. Jimmy, come on, Jimmy, 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 Hey, no, is it Joe the Barber? Joe the Barber, right? No. That's who it is, isn't it? I don't give us any shit. What's Joe's last name? I don't know, man. Give it, give it, give it. Hey, all I know is he lives on 125th Street, man. About the barbershop. What side of the street do you live on? North or south? North or south? I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know. I'm asking south. you what side of the street he lives on. Hey, shithead. When's the last time you picked your feet? Huh? Yeah, what's he talking about? I got a man in Poughkeepsie who wants to talk to you. You ever been in Poughkeepsie? Huh? Have you ever been Poughkeepsie? Hey, man, come on, give me a break. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me hear you say it. Come on. Have you ever been in Poughkeepsie? You've been in Poughkeepsie, haven't you? I want to hear it. Come on. Yes, yes, I've been. You've been there, right? Yeah. yeah. You sat on the edge of the bed, didn't you? You took off your shoes, put your finger between your toes, and picked your feet, didn't you? That's it. Yes. All right. You yes. put a shoe on my partner. You know what that means? God damn it. All went wrong. I got to listen to him gripe about his bowling scores. Now, I'm going to bust your ass for those three bags, and I'm going to nail you for picking your feet in Poughkeepsie. I think he's just so stellar. Like, really, I understand why he was like packed it in, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Because he basically said, like, he was kind of going to kill himself, you know? And I think it's because he really, we're really seeing him throw everything at every character. You know, you think about something like Crimson Tide, him and Denzel going at it. Oh, it's so awesome. It's like, it's, it's incredible. Like that, that energy and, even when he's playing kind of like almost like a doofus character, like uh, in like the firm where he's kind of like a yeah. semi silly. He's awesome in that too. In the, in the French connection though, he gets to this place where it's like, he, you don't know, as I was talking about with Vir- Virgil Tibbs in, in the heat and night where he's so polished and pulled together and he doesn't have room to show nonsense where Popeye is completely unhinged. It's the opposite. It's the opposite of that. He's completely unhinged. And he's working from a different place where I feel like with Virgil, he has something to go home to, you know, where we know that Popeye has nothing to go home to. 
you know, in yeah. in the heat of the night, Virgil has something to go home to, and Rod Steiger's character, she's Bill. Yeah, she built doesn't have anything to go home to, and that's why he keeps making excuses why Virgil should stay in town because he loves him and he's his best friend now, and he doesn't want to let him go. And then, yeah. like, but with Popeye, he doesn't have anything. The case is what he has, so yeah. he's he's very much like a Sherlock Holmes figure in the sense that he doesn't have anything, and once he starts working on a case, that's all he's doing, and it's like a vi- a vice. And then basically Roy Scheider is like the Watson to his <laughs> to his Sherlock Holmes because yeah. he's like pulled together and kind of wants to go home. But you kind of twist his rubber arm and then you can get him to stay out. All, <laughs> you can get him to stay out all night with you kind of thing. Yeah. And then he's cleaner and neater and pulled together. And, you know, he goes to like gather up. I can't imagine that they made this and not are fans of Sherlock Holmes, but he goes to kind of lift him <laughs> up and gather him up and kind of pull him together and hand him his pants so he can like get back up there as yeah. like a, as like a human who has a job. And then he's good at that, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and actually I, I looked at his filmography and he did night moves. The year after conversation, like, yeah, I love Hackman, man. I love freaking also, like, I love Shider. Like, um, <laughs> I think the last freaking movie that we did was, oh, Exorcist. I knew you. I was um, like, isn't it the Exorcist you did? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so I know for Cat, you know, she made the point of, and I agree with her also. Like, sometimes there's just some directors that you just don't necessarily mesh with, even though you can kind of recognize. You, you can recognize sort of what they're doing and mm-hmm. you recognize like what they've crafted and things of that nature. And so mm-hmm. I wonder for Kat, would she actually like this movie? Because I think, and it's funny, you kind of brought up Live and Die in LA, this and then Cruising, where it's like the masculinity is is so palpable. Like it's, mm. it's in this movie, Prince Connection, like there are really no women in this movie. Like they're only yeah. just like, accessory basically yeah so i think that especially for like 2023 through 2023 lens like is this a movie that not necessarily stand the test of time but is this kind of a movie to where it's like i guess maybe would this even fly like now this is obviously no when i say you violated like civil rights like (laughs) the cover of this movie is him committing a murder and freaking fought to like keep that on the actual movie poster Mm -hmm. and it's like i think in the wrong eyes it's like popeye's just kind of doing his job and it's like is this job just to murder people for the state? Like, like <laughs> well, no, I, is, uh... I feel like it could work now because if we're saying, if we are saying that propaganda is kind of like painting cops as good, then French Connection does not do that. <laughs> yes. Yes, French, <laughs> yes, French Connection does, is not propaganda like, at so, all. Like. So I'm kind of like, I think to myself, well, maybe, no, because, okay, you could maybe look at him and think, wow, he's so dogged, he's so relentless, he's so um, committed that he's going to get his man no matter what, you know? Yeah. But then there's a lot of failure in it, too. Like, he doesn't get frog number one. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like this is kind of like anti- that you know they're not trying to paint this picture where these guys are good it's weird you have a complicated relationship with why you want them to succeed it's almost like 
you want them to succeed because you don't know enough about the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't like the French. Well, I don't like the French. Do so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, and you know, okay, you're like, fundamentally, yeah, we know drugs are bad, and okay, they're killing people, okay, you know, but you, but it's not like the cops are that much better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Virgil, in his, in the in, in night, he's better. Right. Because he wants to find the right person. And he, you know, even people that hate him, that he's on their side and they still hate him and he's got their back to make sure that they don't get incarcerated wrongly. They don't care about him and he's still willing to stick his neck out for them, you know. Uh, I, I don't know why, but <laughs> <not kidding. laughs> exactly. no, he's exactly. still willing to do it. Um, he's still willing to do it because he has like those morals with in the French connection. You're kind of like, why am I, why do I want to get this guy's back? But there is something like, you're kind of like, you kind of take up their like obsession. You're like, Oh man. And I think it's because of the way it's directed and how it's put together, because it's not really about their personalities. It's like, it's about the chase you're on the chase too. And the yeah. way it's set visually and the way it's set tonally, you want to catch those guys too. Right. Yeah. And I think it's because he just kind of drops you into that space. One of my favorite scenes is when they're out across the street from that French restaurant and yeah, there's waiting. They're, yeah. And they're just waiting and the food looks so good in the restaurant and they're <laughs> cold ass, cheap ass pizza and coffee. Yeah. That's so much so that the coffee's, hot or maybe not hot enough that Popeye just dumps his out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, and it's like it's really sad because then they're cutting back to um I, I love those cuts back to things like in doubt there's like a cut between the priests and the nuns and the nuns are having this humble meal and the priests are eating those like big bloody steaks and <laughs> <laughs> like you know what I mean and it's really yeah. like insulting and they're drinking wine and smoking and stuff like that and the, pre- the nuns are just having like milk and bread. And so it's like in this, they're having these big cuts of meat and it's wine and they're going through the whole like big dinner and these guys are eating like crap and waiting in the cold and it looks frigid. It's not like they're just eating the cold. It looks messed up. Their skin and their eyes in this movie, how like Roy Scheider is a tan, tan man and he looks washed. (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> nah, they look like they like they've been through hell and back. Like, like, like the term like hell froze over. Like, it looks like they've actually landed in a frozen hell. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you've been to New York, right? So, oh yeah, yeah. And so, you know what? It gets real cold there, and you it looks like like I could feel New York. Like I've been there at what some of the incredibly cold times where I was like, I just. Am I gonna stay in my hotel? Like I'm here on vacation, but like, <laughs> why am I here on vacation? Because I'm in pain. Like it's so cold, yeah. and I'm from Canada. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's not like I'm a I have a fear of I've lived with cold my entire life. Like, yeah. whew, but I've been there, and it's been some because if you get caught in a pocket between some buildings and in, in New York, oh, yeah. it's like ooh. a fucking wind tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. looks mean. So you know when they're standing out there, you can feel that frigid cold in their you know it's in their bones you know yeah and you talked about just how the movie is and it like the way it's shot freaking definitely he talked about wanting to make this feel like a documentary and he totally doesn't and i think you know obviously the way we make films now it's it's very you know we very sleek very polished like it's so funny like 
when we talk about how cold the movie is, you know how we know the movie's cold? Every every single time they exhale oxygen, or, or they, they inhale oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide, we see the frost. We see we see it coming out of their nostrils. If you watch a movie like I love this movie, if you watch a movie like The Holdovers, you see them like talking outside. Like there's there's no nasal drip. There's no like rosy cheeks from the code. Like yeah. they like they shot the movie in the spring. It had to fake like it was a winter. But yeah. this movie, it's it's not that. Hackman wears his scarves that are barely covering his neck. Like I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't get like hypothermia and wild shit like that. And you totally feel like I think the way the movie's shot and the way everything is like handheld and like the chase. Like I think my favorite. I think my favorite part of the chase is just how low we are to the street, how like we're weaving in and out of track, we're driving on the wrong side of the road, like for <laughs> half of it, you know, like when they crash into cars, mm-hmm. some of that was, I, I think, I don't know, maybe all of it was accidental actually, but like a lot of that shit wasn't planned. So mm-hmm. the car's like all, all fucked up and it's like, you know what? If someone is driving this illegally in a major metropolitan city, he's going to get scratches on his car and shit. So right. I think there are a lot of things to really be excited about the movie because the movie is exciting. Like it does, like, because we are on these stakeouts and because we are on the chase and we're, like, we're going through the car and we're trying to search for the heroin. Like, yeah. a lot of that is exciting. Coming down the aisle, representing the Hyphen Podcast Group, they are the unbeatable team of B-Hyphen. I'm just saying, you worked yourself into a shoe to answer the question. Handsome Bane. My my firm belief is a DDT should beat anybody. Showing mad love. What do you mean this, Batman? If two go in the pink. (laughs) The novelist. And catch Shinetti. This is what Brock Lesnar thinks he looks like if Brock Lesnar were a beautiful woman. They are the Wrestlecast. The only part of the movie I am just conflicted about is just how much of a shithead Popeye is. Like, that's it. And, but that's not a, a product of bad filmmaking or bad acting mm-hmm. or bad writing because I think he is a character that is very true to life. It's just my response to there are cops like him. Like, that. that's basically it. It's not yeah. a problem with that. Well, okay, this is what I, I was thinking about this today because I was like, I, when I was revisiting it, I was like thinking about how crummy he is. But I think it's really important that he is. And I think it doesn't yeah. matter that he is. You know what yeah. I mean? And that, and then, you know, you're like, okay, cops are like this. Yes. And then you have somebody like Buddy Russo, who's like his partner and wants him, they have the same goal, right? So they're just like working on the same thing and they get each other's back, like big time, you know? Yeah. But there's that moment where he, when he, he uses the N-word, where Popeye uses the N-word and he, you know, yeah. And and his buddy that's actually been the one who's been hurt by the the perp the perp right he's the yeah. one who's actually been hurt Popeye hasn't been hurt and buddy says it could have been a white person 
that did this, you know, yeah. like, and so then you see how they're different, right? Like him and him and Popeye are different, but I think it's fascinating and very real that he doesn't like, he says that to him, but it doesn't matter because yeah. they're like blue wall blue, you know, they're both blue. They're both cops. So yeah. it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Like they have that disagreement. He's a little pissed. He doesn't agree with him, but it doesn't even matter. And that's effed up, but it's probably very true to life. You know, it's funny. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this is a very obvious choice by freaking how these movies are linked. And heat of the night we have like the like the most famous scene of they call me mr tibbs mm. and then in french connection when the guy with the conch he like drops the drugs and popeye asks him what's your what's my name and he says hey you dropped that pick it up. Hands up pick it up come on move what are you looking at all right bring it here get your hands out of your pockets what's my name doyle what Mr. Doyle. Come here. You pick your feet. Mr. Boyle. And it's like, for this black <laughs> cop, he has to jump through hoops not to get called a nigger boy. But yeah. for this white cop, like, no, he's automatically a mister. So yeah. and so. So, yeah, man. Like, I, uh, and, and, and also visually the idea that if you see Popeye, like, other than these French people, like, he's not even technically harassing them he's literally just stalking and investigating them like, he's actively harassing black people oh, in this yeah. movie. and it's like you know we wish this wasn't reality like we wish that this was like a fantasy and like oh no cops don't really do this in real life they're just at a bar they're drinking illegal beers like no nah, mm-hmm. no nah, they're just getting harassed like that's that's all yeah. it is like that's, that's yeah. what it kind of boils down to and i think the movie is smart enough and i think freaking is smart enough to where it's like who show you this kind of reality of this universe but also the idea that there's no like you said the idea that maybe we take a second to acknowledge it but we're going to steamroll past it because this is the cost of doing business if you want to live in New York City in Popeye Doyle's neighborhood or whatever. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I think both movies are really effective. And it's actually kind of interesting how one is said in the South where racism, especially for that period, was very, very like obvious. But in the North to where, you know, we, they try to say it's all liberal cities or whatever. But no, there's obviously racism there, too. Mm-hmm. It's just through a different non-confederate flag lens i think the pairing of these movies are 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 pretty interesting i think they're pretty good so i talked about the dinner even leading up to that you know them going to a bar and they're supposed to just relax for the night because (laughs) because buddy's been cut and he wants to go home but then he convinces them to go for a drink and then they just start investigating again and next thing you know they're up all night because they're so obsessed with this case like Popeye, he's made mistakes before. He's killed cops before. It's like what you said. There's <laughs> yeah. like murder, murder, and then he does it again. Like he doesn't have a great track record, and then he does it again. <laughs> he does not have a great human rights record. No. <laughs> so yeah. But I love that also. Like, uh, you know, like the propaganda continues because I'm. I love. <laughs> I love Law and Order. I love. I least love Homicide. You know, I love The Wire. And I just, this is very much in the the wheelhouse of those. 
it's funny that we were talking about the the cold because Law and Order is one of the shows that is long time you know shot in at, on location in New York you know so yeah. it's like you know we ever see a scene in there there they don't shoot always in the summer so they're just sometimes it's cold and they're just wearing their you know they're all bundled up they're in a toque they're you know yeah and then there's they're walking and you can hear you can see their breath too and you can hear the different the sound like of their voices you know how you sound when you're outside and i yeah. love that and this movie had that too you know when they're outside and he's like he's just like oh red or white and he's when he's offering cotton, so, yeah. and he's he's just, He's like, what year? Because <laughs> 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 they're making these little jokes, but the sound, everything sounds like authentic. And yeah. don't they even go to DC in this? So yeah, oh. for a second, yeah, they um the Home, uh, your hometown. <laughs> yes, they they're at the uh, they're at the National Mall. The Capitol is in the background. <laughs> it's when he broke the wire. I think the wire may be maybe the last major america well i don't want to get i don't want to speak hyperbole for that but <laughs> i i think for the wire for french connection i know for wendell pierce like the actor who played bunk in the wire mm. they kind of i think a person kind of tweeted out on one day it was like the wire's propaganda and he was like uh if you pay attention to the people in the show yeah like there's mcnulty and like there's bunk who wants to actually solve these murders or whatever who want to stop these drug drug dealers or whatever, but that show is heavily critiquing the the Baltimore mm-hmm. Police Department, and you have to have the balance of if these cops seemingly want to do the right thing, you have to show the other sides of it. And so I think this movie does effectively show how Popeye he wants to solve the crime, like they the cops want to solve like the crime. Well, except the um mm-hmm. the so it's funny the 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 guy who like tried to stop Popeye, you know, getting blasted for his problems anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, but but again, like you see the other dimensions of it. You see how through Popeye, like you know, he is a pretty deplorable person in in the senses of the stuff that he does mm-hmm. for for the sake of solving his crime. And for mm-hmm. a show like The Wire, like McNulty, you know, he's kind of like the ace detective. But you see that he's a truly deplorable human being yes. when he's not solving those those drug dealing crimes or whatever. So, so yeah, I, I think that I think they're very smart. They both are very smart in the sense of if we show you the three dimensions of these people, it will give you a better and deeper experience, but also a truer experience. To you know, these are obviously characters, but these people exist in real life in some way, shape, or form. Like the faults that they have and what they bring to their jobs, it affects people on a tremendous basis. And so I think they did a good job of, show, of showcasing that. Yeah. And, you know, really <laughs> what's interesting is actually McNulty and Popeye are a good comparison because they both are capable of doing really deplorable things to try and get the, yeah get what they want as far as putting the people that they want behind bars. But they push the envelope so far that, you might be on the same journey with them in the beginning. And then you're actually like, why are you doing this? Why are you like a cop? Why do you want to solve this? Why do you want to catch these bad guys? Do you want really want to catch them? Because you really want to make sure you're doing the good thing for your community. And you want to get these people off the street. Are you doing it because you love chasing bad guys and you love bad guys? And that's all it is really about. 
you know? Yeah. And in a way, when you look at Popeye, especially when at the end, when he, it's like friendly fire and he kills a cop yeah. by mistake, he almost kills Buddy and then he kills a cop. Yes. Buddy, and, and then Buddy's like, and Buddy's just killed somebody, but he's killed a, a bad guy. Bad guy. He's like freaking lit him up. And then look Shot at that. close range, like Oof. Jesus Christ. And but he's like, You killed so and so, like in shock. Yeah. <laughs> like a human. <laughs> and and Popeye's like, Yeah, okay, and we're gonna find our yeah. guy. Like he just keeps going. And so at that point you're kinda like, Does he actually want to is he doing it for the community? No. He's doing it because he's he wants to get this. He wants to he wants to catch the guys he wants to catch. And that's when you start to think you're just one if, <laughs> slipped over. If you your life had gone a different direction, you could be one of them. You'd be an excellent yeah. criminal. You'd be such a good criminal, Popeye Joel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be so good at it. You'd be so hard to catch because you have that same sort of mentality, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for McNulty, his his whole thing is basically for his detective skills. He's genius level of putting these like puzzle pieces together. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like his end goal is, I just want to be proven right. Yeah, because that's the thing about that's uh, you know how I was saying with Virgil, like he doesn't actually know who the killer is, so he wants that solved. Because yeah, mysteries like that, you want to know who did it. But yeah. with Popeye, and in some cases with McNulty when it's like drugs and they know who the drug guys are but now they just need to work on the the evidence they yeah. just gather evidence enough evidence to put together but it's not like they don't know who it is like yeah. they know who it is but they don't have the evidence they can't pin them down until they get this evidence so they're like following the money they're following all these things they're doing all the stuff and that's a totally different motivation, right? It's not about figuring out this mystery anymore. It's about now how do we nail these guys? And yeah. how do we do it? How can we push it just enough where c- can I bend the rules? You know, can I break the law myself in a way? Can I yeah. push the envelope just enough to like catch these guys? And that is very different kind of motivation and kind of scary. It's like, what are they willing to do? How yeah. far are they willing to go to make it so that the pieces fall in place for them to get yeah. their guy? Yeah. It's very cool. It very much is, yes. It very much is. There's still a bunch of freaking that I still need to watch. Like, I don't know if Sorcerer is streaming anywhere, but I still need to see Sorcerer. It's so good. And there's something that happens. I saw it again in in the theater this spring summer. And there was something that happens, and I I made like a guttural sound, oh, like I was like 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 because I was like anxious. Okay. Um, I'm just thinking to myself like Roy Scheider, a lot of bad things happened on that. Like it was not safe, um, <laughs> the mm-hmm. production of that. And I'm like he got like he's going through some tough stuff for freaking. <laughs> yeah. Like standing out in the cold and like, and then stuff that happened. If you read any of the stuff after you watch Sorcerer, that happened on that making of that. You're like, oh my god, why would anybody put themselves through that for a movie? I wonder if we'll ever cover cruising on this on this show. Uh, I think Cat would like cruising. Yeah. Maybe. No. Cruising, yeah. Cruising's a wild one. Wild. <laughs> uh, one thing about these two movies that I just thought about too, because I, I had a note because I was just like, oh, they're also like 
we keep talking about French Connection and how cold it is, but in the heat of night, how hot it is and how sweaty it is. And yeah, all the flies in the dark. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat at Ketchinetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Kat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?